It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Good morning. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only at K News 98.5. I'm Stu Jenkins. I've practiced law in San Luis Obispo County since 1978 and served as Superior Court Special Master and as an elected Harbor Commissioner at Port San Luis. This show pulls back the curtain on the connections between state and local public policy and the law by bringing you the officials, lawyers, and activists working on your behalf. With my long experience in election law, I'm always pleased to bring in candidates to talk about their goals, character, and history. Later today, we will be meeting a new candidate for county supervisor, Mr. Eric Gorham. Our first guest, though, is a candidate who just won his race. It is a pleasure to bring you, fresh from his election victory in the special election for Paso Robles School Trustee, Mr. Kenny Annie. Welcome to the show again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, April 8th, just before the election, Slow County Public Policy and the Law broadcast your interview and an interview with your opponent, Ms. Angela Hollander, to all the listeners in the Paso Robles School District. Um, Kenny, I wanted to invite you back to give folks your perspective about the election contest you just went through. Uh, I imagine you learned a whole lot. Well, never having had any sort of political aspirations, um, I, I actually had a very steep learning curve. Um, my, I, my impression was that both you and Ms. Hollander had never run for anything. Uh, no, I, I was on my uh, church vestry one time. That was about okay. the extent of my, <laughs> my political career. Well, in the end, you got 6,059 votes. Uh, Ms. Hollander got 5,428 votes. And so I'd, I'd say you had a uh, resounding victory. Um, but I think uh, in any kind of campaign, you learn a lot about a lot of things. You learn about yourself, for instance. Uh, can you talk to the, to the folks out there in radio listening land about what you might have learned about that? Um, boy, that's a tough question. I, I think probably... Uh what I necessarily had to learn was uh, having been a career officer and working with volunteers, you have to realize that they're, they're volunteers. They're not Marines. <laughs> they're not Marines. I would say that was probably the first thing I really had to, I had to take deep breaths quite a bit because there, there were so many people that really wanted to help out. And, uh, um, what did you learn about nurturing volunteers to, to help you? Probably the most important thing was making sure that they felt that they were valued and that they were being gainfully employed. Um, I, I, I had to, after a couple of weeks, I had you know, probably over 200 people that were volunteering to do one thing or the other, and nobody was getting back to them. So I had to make sure that we had somebody that was coordinating all their activities. Um, you know, again, looking at the concept of a, a representative republic or you know, a democracy and where you want to have people involved when they 
do get involved, you have to make sure that they're gainfully employed and feel like they're contributing. And that was, honestly, that was probably one of my biggest concerns. I was never really, I was never really interested in going out and, and raising money. Um, what I would tell people is, um, you know, money's nice, prayers are better, but, you know, volunteering is the best thing. You know, go out and tell, if 10 of you go out and tell 10, 10 other people, you know, what we're trying to do, before you know it, you have an army. And, uh, so how many people do you think uh, you had working on your behalf by the time you were done? Um, I would say easily 300 um, people calling, um, knocking on doors, um, sending out emails, handing out flyers. Now, being a uh, trustee for such a large school district, it's, it's geographically huge. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you in a position to say now whether any of those 300 will be able to help you actually as you move forward as a trustee? That's, that's the million-dollar question. Um, what, I, what I've voiced throughout this campaign is, uh, you know, this isn't just a Paso Robles problem. It's a nationwide problem. We, we always rely on one individual. You know, human nature is you find your champion, and you have your champion go out and fight your battles, and then you're done, you know, until the next election. And I think that's part of the failing of our system now is we've defaulted to too many elected officials, and we just... Sounds back like, away and go back to our lives and then like wonder why it doesn't work. Sounds like you're saying that uh, people need to be involved in their local government all the time, if they can. They do. Yeah. I, mean, I think that was the way the system was supposed to be set up. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, we, you know, for instance, here's my example that I always used. As a trustee, you have seven trustees in, in the Paso Robles School District. And the trustees are going to really only know what the staff and the superintendent want them to know. I used to play this game in the military. You know, the lieutenant tells the captain what the lieutenant wants the captain to know. The captain tells the colonel what the captain wants the colonel to know. The way you fix that is you, if you're the colonel, you go and you talk to the PFC on the front line. And, and that's kind of what I kept telling the people is, I, if you have a problem, you have to tell me about it. You can't sit and scratch your head and ask, why haven't they fixed the problem? Well, because we didn't know about it. <laughs> now, you, you said during your interview, uh, and this was a... a very fast campaign. I, you, you kicked off your campaign March 1st, and the election was April 18th. Um, the, you said in your interview that uh, you had been talking to the teachers and that you'd visited many of the schools. Um, are you going to continue to try to do that yourself? Uh, a- absolutely. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to best expand it. Um, you know, the, for your listeners, Paso Robles School District has uh, trustee meetings uh, every other Tuesday night. And generally, uh, the people that show up are the usual suspects of activists of either one side or the other. And they're usually, you know, my age, 50, you know, late 50s or older. But very rarely do you actually have parents whose kids are in the, in the district learning. They don't, they don't show up. And, and that's not necessarily a, a criticism of them. They have life. You know, they have to get those kids up. Uh, they, have to, they have their own job. Um, they pick the kids up from school, after school activities, they have to make dinner. And the last thing they probably want to do is watch a bunch of people drone on for uh, two, three hours. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I want to do is, is ex- explore changing the time of the meeting or at least having one meeting a month where the trustees don't have necessarily an agenda where they just sign papers 
or approve things for the, the bureaucrats, but they sit and they listen. You, and the you, parents you'd like show to, up. In the, um, in the Arab world, I know the imam, the head of the district, uh, will typically have one meeting every month where people can just come and talk to him. Is this a, what you're kind of yes, thinking sir. about doing? Same idea. Just have, you know, even if not all seven of the trustees want to do it, I know, uh, I know the three conservatives will do it, and we'll just name a Saturday morning. Bring us, you know, what, what are the things that you really wish the board knew about or would take action on? Now, with a seven-member me- board, uh, I guess three is not a quorum, and so you actually could do that, couldn't you? Correct. Uh, is there, are you going to make an effort to get the whole board to hold those kinds of informational meetings? I am. I, I think it's important. Um, you know, one reason I kind of got involved in this, uh, you know, quasi-politics is because People are losing faith and confidence in the system. You know, there's a crisis of confidence, whether it's down at the, the school board level or the, the president of the United States. And it's because they feel that it doesn't matter. I can, the number of people that told me that it, I, I don't go to the meetings because they're not going to do anything that I want anyway. So, you know, why bother? Um, if, if you're going to maintain a, a, a representative republic, then the representatives better start listening to the people. Well, I... I, I... I think there's a lot of people that agree with that. Um, you, because it's such a large district, I mean, San Miguel is part of the district. Bradley and Monterey County is part Bradley. of the district. And, uh, and all of the meetings you told me in your interview that have previously been held are held uh, right next to Liberty High at the uh, buildings that the district owns. Uh, are you in a position, do you think? Well, have you had a meeting yet? You just got certified, actually. I have not had a meeting yet. Okay. I, I, I found out yesterday that I'll be sworn in at 5 o'clock on uh, the 9th, so next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Um, but I intend to get some emails out here this week or figure out the best way to contact people and, and say, I, it, I think where I think you're going is, it, are the meetings only going to be at the district office? No, That's I, right. I, I would happily go to San Miguel. In fact, I've, I went and spoke to a... Um, a Latino congregation there in San Miguel, and they've invited me to come back, and I would like to sit and really listen to what the concerns are, um, which will probably be safety concerns um, for, for the Latino community. Um, you know, I really am interested in trying to figure out uh, um, how to expand the, the vocational program and do something where, um, you know, for the $13,800 for spending a year on education, I would like that child to have, or that student to have something more than a piece of paper. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe one out of the four pieces of paper, the person's proficient in math. I would rather that money go to a vocational program where you can, for instance, go to a beauty school and graduate with your certificate and start working immediately out of high school. Um, so there, there are lots of different things where I think we need to rethink the, the concept of public education. Public education, you know, in my opinion, um, I go back to what the founding fathers thought it was, and that was basically you create a, a skilled population, um, educated in the disciplines of reading, writing, and arithmetic, and, and you have a common citizenry. And I, in Paso, at least, I think we're failing on all three of those points. Is there even a civics course anymore given in Paso Robles? Not to my knowledge. I don't believe it's required. Neither is personal finance. Which are two well, things those are think. both kind of important. Yeah. Um, and they actually interlock. Um, if you think about it, you you know, if you don't have good personal finance, you can't really be a responsible citizen who's civically engaged in uh, 
the political uh, public policy debates. Yes, sir. So, well, I, I guess the other thing, what a good friend of mine said, said uh, years ago, you know, you really find out who your friends are when you run for office. <laughs> uh, did you have any surprises there? Um, I, I, I had surprises, people, um, people that I did not expect to want to be affiliated with me, um, asked to be. Um, uh-huh. So it was, it, it, I think one of the, you would ask me earlier what, you know, what I learned. I think one of the things that probably disappointed me the, the most was just uh, some of the uh, attacks on people that were supporting me. I had uh, a lot of people that would say, hey, I support you. Um, but I have to take your sign down because, um, you know, I've, I've got people coming in and harassing my staff in my, in my store. Um, this was a very um, rambunctious, hard-fought uh, contest, more than, uh, more than most of them, that you see um, for school board. For, for oh, absolutely. Sure. For, at the end of the day, um, I think the, between Mrs. Hollander and myself, we raised... I want to say about sixty thousand well, dollars, Some, something like that. I suspect that's right. We won't know till all the reports come right. in. Um, but I actually downloaded those, <laughs> and uh, as of April first, uh, Mrs. Hollander actually s- spent more money than you did by about seven thousand eight hundred and fifty-eight dollars. I'm rounding there. <laughs> By the way, folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law here on K News 98.5. And uh, just a little thought about next week's program, folks. Uh, we're going to, here on Slow Public Policy and the Law, we're going to talk with Charles Varney. We're going to go to the southern part of the county, talk with Charles Varney about uh, whether Oceano should merge or be annexed with the city of Grover Beach. And because Memorial Day is coming up, We're going to have American Legion Post 66 here to give us a report on Memorial Day and on much, much more that they are doing. But what struck me about looking at the campaign finance reports was that almost all of your donations were from individuals. You only had one um, in-kind contribution, which uh, was by the Republican Party of San Luis Obispo. They paid for mailing and printing or mailing of printed materials. I don't know if that was printing and mailing, but that was about uh, $2,000, a little over that. Yes, sir. Um, The total amount of your whole campaign up through April 1st, and remember the election, folks, was April 18th. So um, there would only be a little bit after that, probably. Uh, Your whole campaign was under $27,000. Mrs. Hollander... um, had a lot more in-kind contributions, um, none of them from a political party, I might add. It was uh, primarily from uh, the California Federation of Teachers, who actually did $13,437 worth of uh, candidate mailers. And so they actually put those out and then uh, obviously had had to report that the uh, her total campaign spending, including that, was thirty four thousand eight hundred and twenty eight dollars. Now, it did you have a big influx of cash 
in the last few days of the campaign or had it pretty well solidified by April 1st? By April 1st, it solidified. I think maybe we got about another six or $700 in it, okay. if I remember correctly. Okay. Now, um, one of the things that you do when you're campaigning is you not only learn about yourself and you learn more about uh, your friends, but I bet you learned a lot about the residents of the district and their differences in different parts of the district. Uh, yes, sir. Definitely when, again, getting back to the district, um, you know, they're, they, they're changing the, the uh, I'll just say, the electoral organization model for the district. Um, I'm filling an at-large seat, but that will only be an at-large seat until 2024. And, and then when, what district will you be filling at that point? I have to run for election again. In, in 2024? In 2024. Welcome. Uh, uh, but you don't have to run until November, do you? Uh, correct. Yeah, uh, folks, uh, the way this works, like it for Board of Supervisors, our uh, next guest is going to be uh, Eric with a K, Gorham who is running in the 5th District uh, Supervisorial Race. And for our, our listeners, the supervisors run in the primary, and it becomes a general election in the primary if nobody, uh, if one person gets uh, 50% plus one vote. So that'll be, I believe it's uh, March 5th, 2024. Uh, that's less than a year away. But, uh, Kenny, you're actually going to have a little grace period to get <laughs> get into the uh, swing of things. Uh, what district will you be running in at that time? Well, there. I guess depending, I will be running in the seventh district. Okay. Here, here's something that has. I have a lot of issues with the way the districts run. One of those is is the transparency of information coming out. If you look at the map right now on the Paso Robles Joint Unified School District, and let's say you are a a a parent or citizen that wants to participate in the in the process and you go to find who your trustee is you can't oh so you'll have the list of the trustees um and they'll have their bios but nowhere does it say what area do they represent and then you go to the map and you can see the areas but you don't know who represents your area your area so that's a problem that hopefully will be rectified you know, you next need, week. You need to see if you can recruit a high school kid who knows how to build websites. It's probably not a bad idea. They have a computer <laughs> lab. They could probably do it as a project. Absolutely. Um, but things like that will have to be fixed. So to answer your question, I believe, but I am not sh sure, that I will be in Area 7, okay. which encompasses most of the, the, the rural areas of, of north of Paso up to Bradley, um, Part of San Miguel. Out to burn and... Right. Uh, yeah. Yes, okay. Sir. Okay. The, uh, and the, the district just did its redistricting, or its districting for the first time, didn't it? It, it did. When, uh, so Lauren, Lauren McCoy, she's the other at-large uh, uh, trustee, and she is up for re-election as well in 2024. She only filled a two-year um, position... I am, I'm only filling an 18-month position, and uh, so I'm not sure what district she will fall into at that point. Um, you might be running against each other for all you know. Well, I know she doesn't live in the same area that I live okay. in. Um, when, I, when I looked at the map, it looked like uh, Paso Robles, the city of Paso Robles, had uh, 
a significant part of the population of three districts. Correct. And uh, and one of those uh, districts runs all the way up and picks up San Miguel. That's District Two, and I know that's that's Joel Peterson. Okay. Um, and I know District One goes out to uh, Lake Nascimento, and that's Jim Cogan. The other ones, I'm not sure. Everybody in Lake Nascimento always knew they were number one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. Um, I think. Uh, did you sense as you were campaigning uh, significant differences in the attitudes of people in the different districts? Uh, no, I, I honestly couldn't. Uh, I would say the there was a, a definite divide between there, there were maybe three uh, categories, and I'll, I'll put things into mm-hmm. the, the the ranch culture versus the the urban culture would be one of the divides, and then. Okay. And then, to some extent, the, the Latino culture versus the Anglo culture. When you, um, when those were the kind of the, the three groups, but then the Latino culture transcends both the urban and the, and well, the sure. ranch culture. Sure. Um, you're going to have to listen to the podcast of our, one of our earlier programs about the history of Cinco de Mayo. Oh. It was actually just last week. It actually was invented in San Luis Obispo County. Oh, by the? By the assemblyman. You'll enjoy that story. You can you can play it for the kids up uh, in Paso Robles if you like. Well, being a military man, I actually did a battle study of the Battle of Pueblo, which was what the uh, which is what it's celebrating. What it's celebrating, yeah. so. holding off the French. The French again made bad <laughs> tactical decisions. Oh dear, we're not going to talk about fries now. <laughs> All right, we're coming up on a break here, folks. I hope you're going to stay tuned. We have a lot more to talk with Kenny Enney about here on Slow County Public Policy and the Law. Uh, just a little thought about next week's program, folks. Uh, we're going to, here on Slow Public Policy and the Law, we're going to talk with Charles Varney. We're going to go to the southern part of the county, talk with Charles Varney about uh, whether Oceano should merge or be annexed with the city of Gruffer Beach. And because... Memorial Day is coming up. We're going to have American Legion Post 66 here to give us a report on Memorial Day and on much, much more that they are doing. Shut down.